Oh, thank you, Daniel Hupp, for uh, our wonderful theme song. Energetic. It gets us going. Sure does. It gets us in the mood to talk about all of the important things in life, because that's what we do, right? This is Like Trees Walking, by the way. Yes. Um, your number one podcast for issues of theology, philosophy, life, faith, culture, fun, faith, family, and football. <laughs> and I just want to say, we have an exciting show, and actually... I was thinking about this. This could be the best show that we've ever done, right? Because one of them has to be the best show. Yes. The, um, there's sort of a pl- platonic ideal of a Light Trees Walking show in this one. You just happen to join it on the day. Could approach that ideal as closer than any other one has before. So it could be the best show. Absolutely. Now, if we're to be honest, this could also be the worst show. <laughs> so, so maybe. We don't know. So we're on pins and needles. And so what, are you. What is our worst show so far? I don't think. Do we have to go into no, what, what our worst? We're not going to go. Why focus on the? There's like in business they have the strengths finder. You want to focus on what you're good at as opposed to like what is bad. So yeah, I think let's avoid that and let's just focus on this is going to be the best. Yes, like this it. is like trees walking. This is a, a great show, and I believe that you had a beef to, just to start off with, and I'm just going to let you go, I and I'm two, just going to step back from the mic. I got, I got, a, I got a beef. I'm going to go into it. We have a beef and a cool thing we want to share first. Oh, by the beef. way, this is Pastor Dave Berge okay. talking over there. This is Mike Nelson identifying him right yes. here. And don't worry, people. We're not going to banter for too long before we get into the meat of it, all right? So no one, if you're listening at home, don't be worried. Or on, on your way to work. Uh, this won't take long. But I'm just going to say, if you're listening now and you enjoy the podcast, um, this is like one of those NPR pledge drives where it's like, people, uh, we're not asking you to give us money. All I'm asking for is a rate and a review on iTunes. Um, because if you do that, it helps more people discover the good news is Good news, that is, like trees walking. So I know it's actually iTunes. Um, thank you, Apple, for making it really difficult to leave a rating and review. <laughs> um, particularly a review, like, you have to go to your computer and open up iTunes and, like, figure it out. But but please, people, Mike and I pour our blood, sweat, tears, and beat kvass into this uh, podcast. So if you could go to your PC, your personal computer, your laptop, or if you figure it out on your phone and want to make, like, a video tutorial on YouTube and share it with us, that would be helpful. But just go there, go to Like Trees Walking Podcast, give it five stars or, you know, four. I don't think we've done any three-star podcasts, but, you know, give it give it five stars and a review. That just helps people find it. So um, that would be personally very meaningful for me. That's all I want to say. Whew. I'm emotionally, I'm wrung out by that appeal. I know. It's, it was it's, very... It's, uh, heart, it's heartfelt. It's my, <laughs> it's my Jeremiah. But now, another thing, too, um, that you at home won't be able to see this, but Mike and I, this is like a podcast unlike any other we've done technology wise yeah yeah we have we have new cans oh new cans Cans, they call them in the business are our headphones uh that's to keep people you know nothings away from our business by (laughs) by creating senseless and irritating jargon uh but yeah they're they're nice they isolate the sound so if you feel just a little bit of improvement in in just everything just is a little lifted like again this could be the best program ever it's because of the cans so yes so we have fresh cans on our ears and we're ready to tackle a fresh question yes let me give the show rundown first All right. we're going to answer that big question in just a moment and then uh we will it's been a tradition here for a couple shows in a row pastor dave will live taste something that i've created in my <laughs> laboratory <laughs> a disgustingly weird food or beverage ah uh, this one's pretty mainstream but i'm gonna leave that till later <laughs> and uh and then we have a new department 
It's always thrilling. I feel yes. like there should be, you know, the blast of the the Marshall horn. A new department. Yes. So we have that coming up. But let's get into it because you promised we wouldn't dally too long. So let's get into the meat of it. We're not even five minutes in, people. All right. So give us give us at least five minutes to banter. Yeah, we have to sort of get up. We have to. It's like a diesel engine. You got to get it moving first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so now we're moving. And now our big question is uh, a very common question. This is a question posed to a lot of people uh, who are believers. It's posed uh, in sort of public forums a lot. It's posed. uh, I think I've heard it in sort of. I don't know about presidential debates, but but that type of thing. It's so big a question. It's a challenge to the Christian. And that challenge is, do you take the Bible literally? Or to rephrase it, do you believe literally in the Bible? And this is a puzzle that uh, a lot of Christians fail. And uh, let's talk about why it's kind of an odd question and why it is often answered incorrectly or just sort of i don't know it's 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 a weird trap so let's unpack it is uh as as i know you don't like star wars mike um but i'm just gonna have to make a star wars reference i know where you're going Um, (laughs) you do exactly know where i'm going um because like when you hear this question who immediately pops in my mind is return of the jedi it's admiral akbar my favorite mon calmari (laughs) and he says it's a trap (laughs) <laughs> because when you hear that question, your Admiral Akbar alarm should go off. Because this question, it's a it's a disingenuous question. It's it's not of the extreme variety, but I'd say it's of the same ilk as. Um, so, Mike, uh, tell me, when did you stop beating your wife? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, that, there's no good way to answer it because the preface of the beating your wife question is that you were doing it before, um, and so the question of the the like behind the question do you take the bible literally is sort of the like well what about all this like other you know this sort of garbage or baggage that i see that comes with it that when you say when you say yes uh i'm gonna hit you with that or if you say no it's like what oh you know so i thought you were so uh, faithful exactly so So, you either you either throw your faith your uh, fidelity to god and his word overboard or you throw your, or you walk into the trap of having to defend many, many bits of out of context material from the Bible. I think is how this thing is supposed to go usually. Yeah. And I think sometimes even the people asking it don't know that they're. It's not always meant to trap people, but it it's just become part of the popular culture, and so it just gets repeated, and they realize, oh, this yields pretty good results because this person. It's a it's a great like sort of gotcha question for yeah. a faithful person. Um. And I think the, like, so you go, okay, that's a problematic question, like, in and of itself. I, I, I reject the premise upon which the question is built. That, I don't know that, that that word literally is doing a lot of work um, that, that I don't think it's supposed to do or is capable of doing. So what's a, what's a better way for me of asking that question is, um, so tell me, like, first of all, are you, you know, are you a Christian? Okay. Yes. Then we, otherwise, why are we talking about them? Or a Jew, you know, why are we talking about the Bible? Uh, You know, so obviously you're a person of faith. So you read this book as your sacred text. Um, tell me, how do you read this book and how do you read it in light of parts that, um, we consider in uh, the 21st century, you know, problematic or not even problematic, but, um, obscure or esoteric or confusing, you know, how do you read the Bible in light of, I mean, I think something that people find very troubling today is uh, 
is the the Israelite conquest of Canaan, Mm -hmm. you know, and the extermination of... Huge one. Yeah, yeah, the extermination of the Canaanites, what seems like sort of the worst forms of holy war. war. So if you answer the question, you know, do you read the Bible literally? And it's like, well, yes. And it's like, well, what what about the Canaanites? And what about I and God's destruction of that? Like, that's immediately the trap you're walking into, where to me the more fruitful... um, the more fruitful question is asking, um, how do you read it, and how do you read it in light of these things that we consider, you know, troubling? I think that's the actual question, and that's the actual interesting question that gets us into um, the real meat of, of interpretation. Or- yeah, and that would require a very lengthy answer. There, you know, these things have been thought about and written about, and there's books written about these these sort of problematic things. But just to step back. Just to the the asker of this question, realize how absurd it is. Nobody takes anything they read on any given occasion literally, unless it is meant to be taken mm-hmm, literally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And many things stylistically in our everyday life are not meant to be taken literally, uh, such uh, as such as you know the the Ravens crushed the Panthers last on Monday Night Football. That so Ravens got out. I mean, nobody you understand that Ravens did not get out and, and you know, use their claws and crush the Panther in on Monday Night Football. You understand all of the things that go into that. I would be much more apt to watch Monday Night Football oh, if, I, it were, if it were animals pitted against one another. I, maybe, uh, no, I wouldn't, actually. I've made an appeal. I think we should go back to bear baiting, you know, where they, <laughs> they stake a bear to a pole and then dogs just go at him, and then you just bet on whether the dog will dogs will win or the I mean, bear. to me that yeah it's, it sounds like a horribly mean thing i um, don't literally believe that's no, true i was you, kidding yes but, see so there you go because we know from context that you're funny and you're a comedian but you're also an eccentric and so you know understanding um who's making the statement the context in which they're making it like did did i take mike literally there no i took him for what he like literally means for what it's saying i think and and being attentive to what it's actually saying which involves a whole host of nuance and of depth and of cultural, contextual, um, with the Bible sort of canonical understanding, you know, um, that we, we don't read scriptural texts in isolation, you know, um, and by ourselves, but we read them as a part of this whole, you know, uh, library of 66 books which we've been given. And so the interpretive task in that way is it's, it's more challenging, but it's much more interesting um, because we get to situate everything that we read within this whole, um, this whole wonderful, vast, um, eclectic library that God has put before us as um, revealing himself to us and, um, and his work in history and his desire for our lives and our salvation. Like It's all situated in this, in this beautiful, um, tr- sometimes troubling liter- literature that we have. So in the situation where one is trapped by this question, what, what would be the proper response? I've thought about this. There's not a lot of good answers because, you know, you, you don't want to be, uh, you don't want to be testy in response no, and no. say, you know, obviously you don't want to throw it back on that person and say, well, do you take this literally? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but there, is there a way to sort of restate the question and, and diffuse that. I don't know if you've thought about this, so I'm putting you on the spot. Go, Dave. Just my, like, popped in my head thought is, um, I think with a, a slight adjustment of the word itself, um, I think you can it can lead to a more f- fruitful answer. So do you read the Bible literally? Well, uh, I l- read it literarily, maybe, mm-hmm. which to me shows a much, uh, uh, it sort of broadens the question. 
um, beyond sort of like, well, don't mix fibers, like God hates yeah. shrimp or whatever, you know, <laughs> right. and, and it's much more, no, I read it, um, I read it, uh, I, I have like all these different rules of biblical interpretation. One is called the seven or eight, sometimes nine C's. I'm not going to go into those right now. Maybe I'll get into those in a different uh, episode. But if I were to talk about, um, you know, how, how I read the Bible, I say I read the Bible in 3D. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so what do I mean by 3D? So if you were to pick up a, a piece of paper, right. like, like I'm doing you're now. doing right now, yep. you're literally picking up a piece of paper. Exactly. And so this is sort of a helpful illustration. So if you have a piece of paper at home, uh, even, a, even a smartphone, you could put it in front of your face and, and get sort of the picture of what I'm saying. So, so how do I read it? Um, well, I read it, you have to go into the world behind the text, so the depth of it. So when we're reading scripture, um, you know, it helps to have an understanding of the world behind the text. Uh, the, the history, um, the, uh, you know, religion, culture of the ancient Near East um, and, uh, and Second Temple Judaism, it helps have a real good understanding of, of that world, um, the culture, the geography, the literature, everything there. That, that's really going to be very helpful to you. Um, next, you're going to tend to the world of the text on him. I'm smacking the text, the world on the text. Now he's literally right on the text itself. So that is like, what are we actually reading? What are the words, the meaning of the sentences, the story, um, the genre, um, the relationships within the text between what came before and what comes after, and even its relationship to what stands in the whole biblical witness itself. And then we want to come, whoop, it jumps from the page to ourselves and it's the world that's in front of the text and that's what we bring to scripture ourselves so that's our own contemporary culture but beyond that it's also the communities in which we read it which would be for christians that would be the church and so what do we as communities and of people reading it together and with a long history of reading it bring to the text as well and so i'd say that's how i read it i read the bible literarily in three dimensions and when you do that and and you hold those three things together god's spirit works to bring um, what is life and light and good um, from this text. That is a good answer. Um, it's unfortunately, it's not a soundbite that uh, we can immediately use. Uh, so no, but it's, you know, that's, that's what people are looking for. They're looking for you to say, well, yes, I do. And then to attack it. And, and this is a much more rich and textured way to look at it. Because be honest, people, you don't, you wouldn't ask somebody, do you, do you read Shakespeare literally? Do you read? There's nothing that you read without having to have the things that Pastor Dave just talked about in front of you. You have to know uh, what's behind it. What is the culture of Shakespeare? What is you know anything that's out of your own uh, easy grasp obviously requires that background and and thought into it before it can reach you and touch you in any way. Lots of people dismiss Shakespeare or or any ancient author because it's too hard to do that. But we have to do that exactly. And I mean. Um, yeah, which one of us can sort of sit down and open the works of Shakespeare and, and in our, especially today, like we need help doing that. And, um, that's not, a like, that's not a problem with the text. It's just a challenge that we faced given where we are, um, in, in the history of our language and of storytelling, you know, uh, Shakespeare's, I mean, I'm, I'm going to make a bold statement. He's still the greatest English author ever. Um, and his works like, uh, always completely reward a really um a really deep reading but uh and i think the bible is actually much easier to read than than shakespeare because it's infinitely translatable into a language that's right. much closer to our own um whereas shakespeare's our same language but it's in many ways more distant because of because of it being whatever elizabethan english right 
So, um, so scripture is like Shakespeare, but easier and harder. Right. It, <laughs> it, it challenges you more, but it's, it's easier to immediately read. Exactly. Exactly. But the greatest things um, always require like, us to engage our minds and our, and our spirits. And they should trouble us and challenge us and stir us. That's good when scripture does that. And uh, this maybe is a subject for another podcast. Let's think about the, what is your favorite translation of the Bible? Uh, not, not this is something we could save, or you could just uh, tell us right now and not hold us in suspense. I won't. I'll, I'll just throw it out there now, um, and then. Uh, so I'll say my my preferred translation that I use, which I'd say be my favorite right now, is the um, English Standard Version, the the ESV. The ESV. Yeah, and so why do I like it? Um, I will use the words of um, Alan Jacobs. He's a professor of uh, literature at Baylor University. And he the reason he likes the ESV, and he, I think he put it well, is it has a deference uh, to existing excellence. So like where previous translations were already very good, um, it sort of preserves that as well. And so uh, if you know sort of if you want to trace the genealogy of the ESV, it's kind of like the King James Version to the Revised Standard Version to the ESV. I think that's a, it's a good track. It took a good track of keeping what's best, what came before. The NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, and the New International Version, those are also excellent translations. But I feel like the ESV um, retains some of the poetry of previous translations and is maybe more, uh, has a greater felicity with the English language. So I like that. I think that people, um, some people don't like the ESV or they object to it in that it does use like, it retains sort of gendered language. So when Paul wrote brothers, it doesn't say brothers and sisters. or um, So it, it's not as gender neutral, which some would view as retaining sexist language. But I think um, in retaining that literalness, it also does kind of get us closer to the ancient text. And it maybe just helps us deal as adults with, like, how do we deal with, you know, when male words were sort of generic for men and women i think as adults we can deal with we that can handle well. that exactly but I, I understand why people would like the nrsv or niv but i just i like the esv this podcast has been brought to you by the <laughs> english standard version <laughs> translation of the bible all right well uh, hopefully we cracked that open a little bit and we can talk more about that stuff in the future but we've got a rich and varied show ahead of us and we have to get to stuff but first we need to take a break and when we return a new department and also Dave will taste something live. So <laughs> come back in just a moment for that. Hey, everyone. Uh, really, you have to do me a favor. Dave, Dave is beside himself over your not rating us on iTunes? Look, hey, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. I have a happy life. This means a lot to Dave. He is despondent. I can barely get anything out of him. I, he's weeping in a corner right now. So please, if you could, go to iTunes and rate this podcast. Um, you know, if, if you like it, if you don't like it, um, hey, thanks for listening. But uh, if you like it and feel like leaving a comment, please do. This means the world to Dave, and uh, he really appreciates it, and, and, and so do I. I got to go to attend to him. He's, he's getting up now, and he's crying. All right. Thank you. Little China girl, I hear hearts beating loud as thunder.
Wow, that was David Bowie, the late David Bowie. The we late, lost him this year. Great David Bowie. I yeah. saw him one time at a uh, Emmy Award show with his wife Iman. Iman, yeah, it's Iman. Yeah. And they they cut a striking figure. I mean, I just felt like a just a cow hand was there, you know, at this uh, <laughs> And uh, she was just lovely, but he just cut through the crowd, and he just was such a—it was so impressive. I just thought, what a what a guy, so stylish, and just—that's David Bowie. I He's mean, a legend. He is a legend. Ziggy so, Stardust himself. Yeah, I didn't even bother to like uh, grovel up to him. Uh, yeah, I just let him part the crowd before him. So, David Bowie. And uh, hey, let's wrap up our question from the beginning. We had a big question that we wanted to settle, and that was, do you take the Bible? Do you read the Bible literally? And I go, man, that's the wrong question. <laughs> what do you mean by your question? No. And we say, no, I read it literally. I, I, I read it in three dimensions, and so I read it um, in that I'm attentive to the world that's behind it. I'm attentive, I'm attentive to where it sits within Scripture itself and to what the community of faith um, brings to it itself. So I, I don't read it flatly and woodenly, and this isn't a gotcha question. It's actually a deep question about how God has given us this sacred literature um, from whence to reveal himself and his word to us. And so um, it requires reading it well, not in a stupid wooden literary, literary, literally, uh, well, whatever. <laughs> that's, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, your question sort of assumes this um, stupid approach to it, and it's actually rich, textured, nuanced, and wonderfully alive and full of life. All right. There you go. Um, let's get on to our next thing, which this is an important thing. we we got to do this. Yep. This is... Um, you, you might hear from the sounds. Dave stirring. is stirring up the just unveiled. Uh, this is my farmer's market uh, fermented corn salsa. What uh, is it farmer- with you in fermentation? Oh, you'd, I'm, I'm half Korean. The Koreans love the fermented food. I, I love their food as Kimchi. well. Kimchi, delicious. Yeah, delicious. So here we go. Dave is going to taste my, it's, it's uh, foamy and sour and hot. It is what corn is it? salsa. It's fresh corn, and it is roasted red jalapenos oh. and onions. And uh, basically, you just let it. Have you eaten it yet? Oh no, but I will. I, I like it. Yeah. Will you have some? I, All right. I got a chip. I, put, I got a chip. I made Mike go upstairs and get chips. So yeah, I can put, it's, it's, it's salsa. It is a salsa. It is sort of a topping or salsa. Oh, you have your own. I don't need to push mine over. Yeah. All right. So. Let's bang the microphones a few more times as we uh, taste some. Is eating on air, is, is it worse than drinking, I think, isn't it? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm We're Lynn, about to test that theory. I'm Lynn Rosetta Casper. <laughs> All right, let's eat it. All right? Mmm. Oh, it's it's fresh. You can taste the farmer's mm. market in this. Mmm. It's got some heat. It does. That was part of the reason I wanted to have yeah. eat it on air. Because I know you're a Midwestern boy through and through. That is totally, like, half true. And the heat is just not something the Midwestern people... You know what a Midwestern person says when something is flavored, you know, with maybe too much pepper? They what do say, they say? Oh, this is very highly seasoned. <laughs> so, this is outside the bounds of a Midwestern person's comfort zone. But what do you think? Give me the review. Um, I'm going to Uncle, say- Mike, Uncle Mike's corn crackling goodness. I, I'll say... That it's good. Mm-hmm. I don't know that being fermented like does anything for me. Like, why couldn't you just put fresh jalapenos and corn and onion and we would have just eaten it? 
because it, it takes away some of the it's the the sourness. It gives it the salsa tang. I think okay. I I hear you. I I hear what you're saying on that, and it's um. I'll give it a solid six out of ten. Oh, that's disappointing. It's good. I mean, it's good. It's good. That's very. It's not great. It's wow. Good. Well, I mean, this is food. This is subjective, man. That is a slap in the face. I'm sorry. Thank you for giving it to me, though. I, I am gonna eat a little more. All right. Well, I'm gonna um, weep and rethink everything I've done with my life up to this point. Mm, crispy, crunchy. Because uh, because Dave, the guy who likes Star Wars, just insulted my food. <laughs> so that sort of calibrates his tastes right where they should be. So let's uh, let's get now to our new department, shall we? Let's do it, and a new theme song. Check. Yeah, what a great new theme that song. That is a good theme song. Who did that? Uh, it was the great Jay Giles band, of the, course. The great Jay Giles. What a great 80s party band, right? Yes, and speaking of 80s, let's speak of the 90s. Oh, I would happily <laughs> speak of the 90s. So, Mike, what's our new department? We are going to fact check. It's been on my mind for a long time. I have had enough of this. This <laughs> Joan Osborne song from the 90s. We're going to fact check it. This is the song... What if God was one of us? I Mis- believe the title is just one of us, Mike. Oh, it's just one of it's us? It's just one of us. It's not if God was one of us. But, you know, fact-checking is sort of, it's uh, it's du jour. You know, it's very Yeah, we're in the, the season moment. of fact-checking, yeah. So I yep. figured we should probably do that. And what better target than a forgotten song from about 1998, maybe 97? Well, I'm going to go 95. 95. All right, we will fact check that. <laughs> we'll fact but check let's uh, listen to a little bit of the song first and give the chan- the song a chance to speak its own mind yes. before we fact check let's it. Let's let Joan speak for herself. Yes. Yeah, yeah, God is great. Yeah, yeah, God is good. Yeah, 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 yeah. What if God was one of us? There we us? go. There we are. Just a slob like one I'm not of a, what? us. I, speak for yourself. I'm not a slob. Just a Mike's favorite line right here. (laughs) Okay. All right, all right. Abrupt ending. So there you have it. Uh, So let's go through this uh, line by line. Um, Yeah, yeah, God is good. I I rate that as mostly true. (laughs) I give it not even one Pinocchio. I think it's mostly true. What about yeah, yeah, God is great? Um... Yeah, that's mostly true. Yeah, mostly so, true. So well. far, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you what? What do you think? How many yas? <laughs> how many yas can you have? It's five yas, right there in a row. Yeah, it's hard to say. What you, I guess, uh, I guess she's affirming that God is good. So we'll we'll let that slide. Yeah. Okay. okay? That's fine. All right. Uh, next one's a problematic. I think. What if God was one of us? First of all, is that grammatically correct? Can we have a grammat grammatician? Grandma, grandma, grandma. Can we just have a grandma call in, please? Yeah. <laughs> I wish we had a call in what line. What if would... God was one? It's a question. What if God, what if was God one? were one of us? What if God was one of us? Is God, God a plural, Mike? 
I don't. That's what I'm asking. I said I'm asking. I, think, I don't know. I think God. If God was one of us, I think that's totally fine. Okay, that's fine. All right. Um. Uh, well, but the answer is, God. Yeah. God was one of that's, us. That's it, <laughs> exactly. So uh, remember, we're a podcast from a Christian perspective. So that's one of the central tenets of the Christian faith, is that God, in Jesus, is one of us. Yes. Like, like fully became flesh. Became flesh. The Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. That's that's right there. Yep. So, it, Joan, what if God was one of us? He was one of us. He, so, he is so, one of us. So, Joan, you fail on that one. Four Pinocchios for that. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, the next line, just a slob like one of us. We said it as we played it. Come on, man. Hey. Very judgmental. Very harsh. We're both, both, Mike and us, we're fully clothed. We've brushed our teeth and combed our hair today. I have a smoking jacket on. Dave's mm-hmm. wearing a um, day tuxedo. With a with cummerbund. The, sh- you know, the shorter tails, <laughs> so it's less formal. But uh, we are looking very d- dapper, and uh, I think uh, he covered himself with rose water. He smells fantastic. He's not a slob at all. No. So I give that for Pinocchios as well. Uh, just a stranger on the bus. Trying to make his way home. Mm-hmm. This is a harder one to unpack. What if God was just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? And then I think the problem here is that she doesn't answer that. I don't know. What is the question supposed well, to imply? What if he was a guy buying Campbell's soup? I don't know. What <laughs> What does this mean? What if he was... Theologically. Yeah, I mean, what if... Uh, <laughs> what if God was the umpire at my kid's baseball game? What, I don't know. What if he was I, playing Dance Dance Revolution at the <laughs> arcade in the Mall of America? Like, you know, so... I, it's... What if he was eating my delicious corn salsa? I think he would say is the best corn salsa that he'd ever had. I mean, these are the questions that cannot be answered, so that is not helpful. So I just rate that as neither true or untrue, just not helpful. Yeah. Um, trying to make his way home, uh, trying to make his way home back to heaven, back up to heaven all alone. Now, this pictures heaven as sort of like this empty place where only God lives uh, all by himself. And we, and I just have to say that the picture of heaven, the Christian picture of heaven is a place that's uh, full, um, you know, that, that God is like, Full, filled to fullness to overflowing of presence and of life and existence. So wherever God is, it's not an empty place. It's a full place. And there's also this, you know, picture of these angelic heavenly beings dwelling there as well. So God's not alone in heaven. Sorry, Joan Osborne. God is not knocking around some one-bedroom walk-up on Wilshire, you know, <laughs> like you are. No, I, I know nothing about your life. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> all right. And then we get to... Did you get all the way to... Yeah. Oh, nobody calling on the phone. Yep. You got that. Yep. Okay. Well, sept for... And the sept is in the lyrics, folks. That's not me uh, doing that. Sept for the Pope, comma, maybe, comma, in Rome. Break that down, Mike. Sept for the Pope. Break that down. So nobody's calling sept for the Pope. And the maybe's not... There's no question that the Pope is in Rome. Is that, is that no, how I I'm think reading the question? No, I think it's established that the Pope, That's, if he's like, calling is in Rome. It's not certain if he's calling. But what if he what if he is speaking is it ex cathedra? Ex cathedra, that's when, when he is outside of the uh the Vatican. Can't no. he can't he call from He can call from wherever else? he is. I think um I mean, you know, we see what Joan's doing here. The Pope lives in Rome. Actually, it's Vatican City. It's a, you know, it's not in Rome. It's in Vatican it's its City. Own, it's, it's its own, own thing. Territory. It's like saying except we're recording this podcast in Minneapolis. We're not actually recording in Minneapolis. We're recording in St. Louis Park, but whatever. Um, and uh, uh, I, this is like. Well, this, here's can I just, just say just I bet say. you the Pope 
doesn't place his own calls. I, you know, so just on that fact alone, I think this fails, and I'm going to give it mostly untrue. Yeah, because and there's a lot of people calling on the phone. There's a lot of people like praying every single day, and so I know this is you know this is Gen X. It's '90s. Um, religion is dumb and it's not grungy and like what if jesus had Mm -hmm. acid wash hole in his pants (laughs) jeans and he was wearing a no fear shirt (laughs) and and like listening to stone temple pilots and watching friends and uh Uh, we didn't play the beginning of it but if you do play the the production just from the start sounds very 90s doesn't it there it's it's so funny how you have to get away from something to realize what it you know what its whole deal was the dream of the 90s is alive in (laughs) in uh one of us for sure absolutely so it was uh of the moment but joan these are great questions but yeah i mean in terms of fact checking it we we just we we found some problems Um, yeah we just had to be honest about that and it was about time i mean we of any request we've ever gotten of what to answer that was one of the biggest and so hopefully that helped you out and she's no longer out there spreading her lies from, what, 26 years ago? Whatever, whatever it was. Well, um, Mike, it, um, that when we were talking about when it came out, what was your guess? Oh, I'm sorry. I said, you said what? Let's re- said, rewind the tape. <laughs> you know, I think it came out in 1995. Well, I think it came out in 96, 97. No, you said 98, didn't you? Did I? I think he said 98. We can't remember what we said. 1998. There we go. 1998. 1998. Yeah, I guess I did. Just looking on the Wikipedia. Yes. Here, I see that one of us is a song written by Eric Bazilian. Who is from the Hooters, which is a great 90s band, a great uh, Boston, I believe. I'm, could, I'm, I'm not even going to say anything. I don't anymore. know anything about this. I'm wrong. Any of this. On everything. And originally released by Joan Osborne. Released, released in March 1995. Well, congratulations. And I was I wasn't even that old. I wasn't even into that. Yeah, well, so. I was I was living a life, making a living and having children. I wasn't paying attention to when Joan Osborne songs came out. I was watching the Jukebox Network, and if anyone remembers that, it was like a show. It was like you could call in, it was on cable, and you could call in and request music videos. And it wow. was really cool. And did so you ever box. get one on the air? I never called in because I didn't want to. I knew my parents would get mad at me if I like. Oh, was it like chart. press something? Yeah, you had to like get... chart. Oh, it would like okay. charge it to your phone bill or whatever. Ooh, that, so, is, that is devious. So I never saw it, but um, there was a lot of Bone Thugs and Harmony crossroads on on the Box Network, if you remember from back in the day. So, wow. but Joan Joan showed up occasionally. So, uh, everyone, that's all we've got for today. That's all we got, and I think now that we're at the end of the show, we can rate it as yeah. I think that was our best show ever. So easily, if you easily. came along for this ride, count yourselves lucky, and uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Like Trees Walking. Once again, I am Mike Nelson. I'm David Berge, and we will see you here again real soon. Thank you for listening. <laughs>